Lord God, we just thank you so much. We thank you, Lord, that you would reach down and touch each and every saint, each and every one dealing or battling with any ailment, any spirit of infirmity right now. We stand in place, Lord, of those that are dealing with issues and, and different things in a battle, some more severe than others or, 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 or circumstantially so. Lord God, right now we come against every spirit of infirmity and we say be loose in the name of Jesus. We command the blood of Jesus to bring healing to bodies, to release blockages and to release everything going on in respiratory systems and heads and, and ears and eyes. We thank you, Lord, that you cleanse every body. We speak to cancers and tumors right now and we say dissolve in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you will have great testimony coming forth out of this body from the miraculous miraculous work you do in each and every one, God. Lord, though there be many words that speak against you or speak doubt or speak fear, Lord, we speak life right now, life right now and healing through the blood of Jesus. We give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. One more quick announcement before we get into the word today. Um, those of you who have been involved with the Logan Community Prayer, uh, instead of this being over in the Logan area at uh, uh, Christus House, it will be in Modular E this Thursday at 7 p.m. Okay, so those of you who partake in that, that, those of you who don't know what that is, we have Love Reach going on every single month where we are reaching out to the, the Logan community in Concord, believing that God is going to cause really a revival in that place. But what do I mean by that? Just people being able to experience the love of God, the tangible touch of the people of God, and being turned into a place where they can receive him. They could receive salvation. They could receive truth. They could receive care. All of these things. So we want to continue to bathe this in prayer. So that's our corporate uh, meeting for that. So that'll be this Thursday, 7 p.m., Modular Eve, if you would like to join. All right. Can you pray with me once more? Wow, it got quiet. It already was quiet. Is it okay if we pray once more? Yes. Amen. Let's pray for the word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace that has been extended towards us. Holy Spirit, I ask for your leading right now and your guiding and that you would come into this place and make yourself manifest in such a way that the words that come forth over these next few moments would challenge us. Lord God, would cause our hearts to stir. Lord, that you would bring truth that only you can bring. That your words would be life and they would be, they would be joy to us, to everyone who receives, God. Lord, I pray that you prepare us. We speak to every distraction that would try to come against this word or come against the hearts in this room. And we say every distraction cease in the name of Jesus. We thank you that there will be fullness coming forth straight from you. Clarity of the word of God from you today, God. Lord, open our eyes that we could see you. Open up our ears that we could hear what your spirit is saying. And open up our hearts that we could receive all that you have for us. Lord, make us yours, God. Make us one church, one body, believing together, working together, and making manifest the kingdom of heaven in this generation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. How many of you guys have enjoyed uh, just, just really talking about what God is stirring us with here at FIRE concerning that this is a new day? This is a new day. I really wholeheartedly believe that. I know many of you have been able to receive and, and, and understand to one extent, one extent or another that this really is a new day, that there's a new chapter, there's a new book that's being written, but it's not just for Fire Church. I believe it's for the church worldwide. And so this morning, we're taking that a step further, and I know that all of you know that our mission statement says loving God, building community, and changing the world. Do you believe that that's who we are? It is, amen. That middle section, building community, is so critical and so crucial. And I believe as the Lord has been speaking to my heart, I know, he's, again, he's been speaking to many of you over these past several weeks and as we spent some time in prayer and fasting, that the Lord is calling us to deeper fellowship, deeper community, deeper relationships. And it's only through relationships and through community that we are going to see the kingdom of God manifested in our generation. Let me break that down a little bit further. We need each other. 
We need each other. And the Lord needs us. The Lord, I could say it this way. Perhaps he makes it in such a way that he needs us. He desires to operate through us. He desires to use his people. And I, my prayer, my heart for today is that we would see that in just another, another level to understand why it's important for us as a church to get into true fellowship. True fellowship, that's the, going to be the title for today and probably next week as well. We're going to be talking about true fellowship, what that means. True koinonia, true, true dwelling together as the people of God. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of 1 John. While you're turning there, I'm going to read a familiar passage that I've read recently. I forget which week it was, but you know it. Psalm 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for my brethren to dwell together in unity. To dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So it's an amazing psalm, but so many things that you see with, wrapped up inside of it, that it is the Lord's heart that his people would dwell together in unity. To dwell means to really make, make a permanent situation take place it doesn't say just come together to unity for a moment and then do your own thing and maybe perhaps sometime in the future you'll you'll dwell together again no it's just dwell make residence allow yourself to come to that place of perfect unity of complete unity of heart of mind of soul and in that way it's such a magnificent picture that the oil of god comes it's one of one of several areas in scripture where there is a command a blessing commanded from the lord if the lord says i want to command a blessing to you wouldn't you want to fulfill the requirements of that blessing doesn't it make sense that that would be your logical way about doing things why is it so why is it then that it's so hard for us to dwell together in unity i'm not talking about uniformity we've talked about this uh, you know, before again, just trying to clarify some things, but we're talking about harmony. We're talking about the unity of the body coming together and operating in such a way that we have true love, that we have true fellowship, that we have true gifting and operation for us, that, 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 that we can allow each other to have the, the blessing of God commanded towards us, that in our homes there's blessing commanded towards us, on our jobs there's blessing commanded towards us, in our finances, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act, in the way that we live, that there's blessing commanded towards us. There's a command that God has given us to dwell together in unity. Now turn with me to 1 John and we're just going to go on a little journey here. 1 John chapter 1. Starting in verse 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Verse 5, this is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us to a place where you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That you bring us to a place of purity. You bring us to a place that we could never bring ourselves. We know that from the very beginning that it was God's desire that we could have deep fellowship with Him. Can I tell you that this is God's dream? You ever have a dream? You ever have a desire in your life, a hope or a plan for your life that you, you wanted to reach or attain to? Hopefully all of you have had dreams. I know many of us are at different places with our dreams. Maybe you've achieved some. Maybe some you've forgotten about. Maybe others... They've seemingly been crushed before you. But can I tell you that God has a dream? God has a dream. He created man and woman in His own image. He has a dream that there would be fellowship together, all of us coming to a place of family. God's dream, in essence, is a dream of family. A dream of family. A dream where He causes all of us to come into a place of unity, of harmony, of symphony, a place of beauty, a place where it's not something that he pulls us and draws us into by force, but we willingly come into it. God's dream is that we would willingly want to be in his family. Some of you have an understanding. You have, you have some folks around you that you want to be in your family. Or you want your family to be a closer, more, 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 more closely knit and, and join together family, a group where, you know, around the house you don't constantly hear bickering and biting and, 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 and wars and rumors of wars. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you want there to be a sense of love that is in your house. Doesn't everybody, when you get married, you have that perfect picture that, you know, in your house, when you get married and you have children, that it's going to be the perfect family. You're all going to be loving and serving one another. You're going you're to be dressed well. You're going you're gonna to eat well. You're going to live well. You're going to live peaceably. And everybody's going to look at you and say, wow, what a great family. What a great family. And then all of a sudden, as you dwell together and you fellowship together, and life has its way of working the way that it's actually intended to, you find that there's more difficulties in life than just simply having a dream or an idea. More difficulties in life than just saying, you know what, this is what it should be. Maybe you even have a promise. Maybe you even have a picture that is exactly as it should be. You have a godly perspective. You have a, a wisdom from, the, from heaven that, that shows you what it's supposed to look like. But nonetheless, you go through life and all of a sudden personalities begin to form. Isn't it interesting? How many of you have more than one child in this place? Okay, how many of you that don't have children, you've got more than one sibling? Okay, all of us can relate to the fact that none of us are the same. All of us, you can say amen to that. And that is a praise the Lord. <laughs> then when we come into a house together, you realize, especially watching my kids grow, from the very beginning you see that they each have their own personality. It's a God-given thing that is beautiful to watch, but sometimes hard to understand. It's easy to understand when someone is like you the way that they would think. And, and sometimes you have kids, you relate to one better than others because they have certain characteristics about them that relate to you. You know, they, they act a certain way. They carry themselves a certain way. They have similar things that they like uh, or that you like. And, and you, you relate well to them. But it's the other ones that are completely different that begin to stretch you and cause you to be bewildered at life. Some of you, you know, you go through things and, and men, you know, all of a sudden you have a daughter and you're dealing with these things called emotions. You're dealing with these things called, called drama and, and, and ideas that, that, that come out that you would have never have thought of yourself. Words get, get thrown around your home, probably dozens and dozens more than you've ever spoken and all of a sudden, your life is completely changed because there's a new perspective that is in your midst. And as they grow, things just get more and more dynamic. Isn't that the way things happen within a, within a family? Sometimes there's great things that happen. Sometimes there's challenging. But nonetheless, there's a lot that can rub us one way or, or another. 
One being good, one being not so good. Or so seemingly so. And we get into a place where you realize, hopefully you realize before it's too late, before kids are out of the home, and even then it's not too late to allow God to do something in a, in a family relationship sense or a point of view. But if you're in the place where you can look around and say, you know what, this is the value that this child has. This is the value that my brother or my sister has. I may not like this about them, but this over here, that brings great value to my life. I may be introverted. My brother may be the talk of the town. He may be the next mayor. I may be somebody that, that, that loves loud music, but someone else may love symphony and orchestra or, or complete peace. I may be one that, that loves sports, and someone else may be someone that loves art or dance. We all have these differences, differences and, and, and realities in our life. But altogether, it makes something beautiful. Altogether, it makes something that allows us to see a wholeness, something that brings true life to a situation. When I, when I go home, I love to watch my daughter, Journey, who's the youngest right now, who brings tremendous joy. We've got a, got a sign in her room. Maybe you even have some that is, that, that's in your homes. But it says, look or find joy in the journey, right? You've probably heard that expression before. And we had that, we put that up in her room even as we were praying for her to come. Uh, and, and when she, she did, that's exactly what happened. There's a joy that comes about when she comes into the room. It doesn't matter if I'm having a hard day, if there's 10 bills in the mail that you wonder about if you can pay. She comes into the room without a care, without a, without a jaded moment in her, her heart or her life that has been crushed. She brings tremendous joy into the room. And there's some of you in this room right now, in this family, in this church, that when you walk into the room, I'm telling you, you bring joy into the room. Some of you don't even realize it, but you bring joy into the room. In your own mind, you think you have nothing to offer. You think that if I wasn't there, that there wouldn't be anything that would be missed. That there wouldn't be any reason for me to really be in their presence. But I'm telling you, there's a joy that you bring when you come into the house of God. There's others of you that bring a power, a sense of safety. You ever have a father figure or, or maybe even a mother, you know, a brother, somebody in your family that when, they, when they're there and things are getting rough, maybe during the tornado this week or, or the, the things going off, you look to somebody that you can say, oh, that is a person of strength. Let's huddle around them. You ever find those people in the room? God ordains those people with gifting and ability. Some of you are that way. You bring safety into a room when you walk into the room. When you come in, it's like, okay, I can be at ease. I was a little shaken up before, but now I can walk into a place of peace. I can walk into a place of safety. These are all natural things that I'm talking about, but I'm trying to, trying to paint a picture that shows us that just because we're different doesn't mean that we're all bad or all good. Just because we're different doesn't mean that there's something that would be lacking. It could actually be that the very fact that there is differences in this body, that it means that when we, we really, really, really need each other. In this chapter that I just wrote to you, there's some interesting words that are spoken. It says in verse 2, concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. They recognize, excuse me, they recognize that Jesus, the word of life, the actual life, came into their midst and they witnessed him. They saw him. They touched him. They heard him. They ate with him. They spoke to him. They, they, they worked with him. They slept. They, they did everything together for a period of time. They saw the manifestation of the word of God. They saw the signs and the wonders. They saw the supernatural take place. They saw their minds get dumbfounded time and time again as they saw, thought things should, should, excuse me, should be a certain way, but they turned out to be something altogether different. They saw the word of life manifest to them, but it says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. 
Don't you think the first thing that they would have said is that we could just simply declare him, that we could just simply talk about all the things that he did, all the things that he taught us? Don't you think they would put the, the spotlight on Christ, which they do. Don't hear me. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't you think they would point it all to him? But instead, who do they say they have fellowship with first? With us, with the disciples, with the apostles. That you would have come into fellowship with us. Why? Because they recognized that there was something powerful in true fellowship. Powerful and true fellowship. Yes, we need fellowship with the Father. Yes, we need a deep, resounding relationship inside of us and in our daily walk with the Lord that we relate to Him and we commune with Him. We have fellowship with Him. But there's something so strong about the fellowship with the brethren, the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in Christ that they realized that they said, first and foremost, when we saw in the Christ manifested the word of life, that the first thing we need to tell you is that you need to be in fellowship with us. You need to come into fellowship with us. Let's continue reading and we'll expound here. That you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. They recognized that when they have fellowship with each other, they have fellowship with Him. That when we have fellowship one with another, that the body of Christ is coming together. That the hand is meeting the wrist and the, the wrist is meeting the arm, the elbow. You're making the body come together. And there's a fullness that is represented. And when Christ said, Lord, I wish that they would be one even as we are one, that they would come into that recognition that there is a wholeness in family, that there is a wholeness in fellowship, even though each one operating in a different manner in the Godhead, the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and Jesus, the Word of life manifested to give us hope, to redeem us, to set us free. It says in verse 4, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. I was so glad to hear in, in a certain sense that through the Spirit of the Lord, many of you were needing to receive joy today. Many of you were in need of receiving hope and life today. Can I tell you one of the main ways that you can receive true joy and true life and true hope? It's when the body of Christ comes together. It's when we come into true fellowship and all of a sudden we get to realize that, you know what, I'm looking at this mountain that's actually a molehill because my brother's telling me, man, we're here, we got your back. You don't have to go through this alone. That the brethren comes together and all of a sudden you're dealing with sickness and you're praying for healing, you're praying for something to take place, but all of a sudden the body comes around you. The body comes and surrounds you and begins to pray collectively a prayer in unity, a prayer in agreement, a prayer of faith. And all of a sudden things begin to break off of your life that couldn't be broken off when you're praying by yourself. I'm telling you, something happens when there is true fellowship that cannot happen in a place of isolation. The enemy would love to distract us. He would love to separate us. He would love to exclude us or make us feel like we are forgotten, that we're not part of God's dream. Can I tell you, you're part of God's dream. From the very beginning, he's called you to his family. Every one of you. It's his desire that not one should perish, but that every single one would come to a place of eternal life. How do you get eternal life? Through Christ the Son. How do you come to Christ? Through fellowship, through understanding that there's things that, that, that there's, there's people that show you and represent a Christ, a real Christ, to show you a relationship, to show you the way, to show you that you need to repent of your sins, that you need to accept what Christ has done on the cross, to receive repentance and forgiveness by the mercy of God. And to give your life to him and come into a fellowship with others that will challenge you and allow you to continue walking in that way. There's something about fellowship. Something about fellowship that's the heart of God. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with who? One another. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Can I venture to say that if you try to walk this life alone, you try to walk this life in a, in a sense of isolation, that you are in darkness. It says in many passages of Scripture, I'm not going to go through all of them today, but talking about the light of God and how the light of God burns inside of the saints and how when we come together, the light becomes brighter. There's this beautiful imagery of the light becoming brighter. And when we go through the, the traditions uh, that we go through year after year where we have candlelight services and it's a beautiful picture when you, you light up the room, all of a sudden one candle is lit and then you light another candle and then another candle. And before you know it, the room that was complete darkness begins to be full of light. And it's a vibrant light. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful light. I'm telling you, when the body of Christ comes together, there is light. There is no darkness at all. You want to allow your life to be free from sin? Allow the light of the kingdom to come as the body of Christ, the body of believers in true fellowship come around you and expose what's there. Many of you didn't fully catch that statement. Let me back up a second. You need to understand that when the body of Christ comes together, we come into a place where we're in close enough proximity where the light is shining. You can't hide. You can't put on a facade. You can't put on something that, you know, I praise God for Sunday mornings. I praise God for the way that we're able to come together and spend some time fellowshipping in a sense and lifting up songs and hymns and, and spiritual songs. But I'm telling you, it's not enough. Coming here on a Sunday is not fellowship. It's, it, it's an event that displays and shows a part of fellowship. It's a way, it's a lead into fellowship. But it is not fellowship. Are you hearing me? Fellowship is every day of the week. Fellowship is, is being in touch with, with each other. You wouldn't say that, hey, my family is awesome. My family is awesome. I see them for a couple hours on Sunday and the rest of the week. We, we, we just do our own thing. You wouldn't say that, would you? That wouldn't really be family. That would just be some kind of weird relationship or a broken relationship. And hear me, those of you going through situations, you know, where, where you don't have, you have broken relationships and there's, there's custody issues with kids and there's different things. I'm not talking about that right now. I understand that life is real and the enemy is real and he loves to steal, kill, and destroy. He loves to rob us of everything that God would want for us. I'm also saying that in the midst of that, in the midst of this, when you have a body around you, even a fellowship of believers like this, that there is hope, there is strength. There's the ability, there's, there, there's, there's the ability for, for prayer to be able to be lifted to heaven for your situation to change, for restoration to come, for marriages to be restored or, or different things for the Lord to be able to move in your life on your behalf as the body comes together. But I'm telling you, sometimes we have this distorted view that if, as long as we hold our breath long enough, for a couple hours, no one will see what's really going on on the inside. That if we were to come just for a couple hours, then that would be enough for us to be able to represent the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, no, no. The kingdom of God needs to come in force in this hour, guys. The kingdom of heaven needs to come in and shine brighter than it ever has. But I'm telling you, it's not going to be one over here and one over here. It's going to be the collective body operating together in true fellowship. Being close enough together so that the light can shine in the places of darkness. The places that we wouldn't want to share with others. The places that we struggle with. I'm not trying to get weird and I'm not trying to say that we need to turn into something where... You know, maybe you hear these terms and you think of the shepherding movement of decades ago where you have this hierarchy where you have to be submitted to one another in a strange, perverted kind of a way and that you have to confess all your sins so that you're part of this thing and it's almost cultish. I'm saying that as the body of Christ, we would confess our sins one to another. 
Why? Because we're in, a, we're in a place of safety. We're in a place of fellowship. We're in a place of wholeness. We're in a place of family where we're not going to judge. We're not going to condemn. We're not going to say, oh man, I'm glad they said that because that makes me feel better about the, the menial sin that I have in my life. No. We're going to come to the place where we're able to share one another and help each other heal each other's wounds and come out of those places and come into freedom. True freedom. True freedom. I want us to look at the book of Acts in a moment, but before we do, Luke, do you have that video ready? I'm going to set this up. We got baptisms happening next week. And it's an amazing representation of what God is doing on the inside. Uh, if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. And I say that as close to the, the, the time where you've committed your heart to the Lord, the better. I think that's the, the most biblical way to be able to say, hey, you know what? Death to my old life, death to the things that I used to be, the person that I used to be, and, and this is a new life that I'm going to live. I proclaim that Christ is in my heart and my life is for Him. I choose to honor Him with my words, with my actions, with my deeds. There's a video that I'm asking Luke to play that's from the Brownsville Revival. Some of the, some of the most amazing baptisms that I had ever seen took place during the Brownsville Revival. And I'm not trying to go back to a place and, and revitalize what, what was, but there's something true about the nature of the body of Christ. When the presence of God comes and manifests itself, and there's a whole, ho holiness that is in, re re in representation before you where you see God for who He is, and your sin becomes so grotesque that you have to throw yourself at His altar. That's always, always a beautiful thing. I don't care how it happens. As long as it happens for us, as long as we come to the place where God can cleanse us and wash us and set us free, it's an amazing thing. What you're about to see is somebody who's sharing the struggles that they had in their own life. Yeah, it's, you could say it's just a testimony. It's more than a testimony, friends. It's talking about the sin that they had in their life. It's talking about the things that they had going on inside of them that normally we would be afraid to tell others about. But when you come into a place where you know the presence of God is and there's true fellowship and there's true glory being represented as the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are going up and there's, there's joy in the room and there's freedom in the room, all of that stuff, all those hindrances begin to, to fade away. Listen to the earnestness and listen to the honesty and the transparency of this brother as he shares and he gets baptized. I know it'll challenge you, if nothing else, encourage you to say, God, you are so good. My name is John Hall. I'm here going to the Revival School of Ministry. I ran from the Lord a long time. I did drugs. I did the alcohol, sex. I became a skinhead. If you wasn't white, I hated your gut. And if you didn't like anybody that was, if you didn't like, if you only liked, excuse me, if you liked people that, that weren't white, then I didn't like you either. I'm here to tell you, if you're like that, I'm sorry, Jesus ain't got no part of you. You want revival, but you don't want black people to come in your church. You want revival, but you don't want the, the people that sleep on the street to come in your church. You ain't going to have revival until you submit to the will of God. You ain't going to have revival. When I stepped out of the will of God, I gained so much hatred inside of me, so much bitterness, so much anger. I hated the world. I hated my own mother, my own dad. I come up with a, a 
the perfect plan to murder both of my parents. But that same woman that I wanted to kill spent every night of her life on her knees praying for me. I got the, I, I've had the worst temper you could ever imagine. I've hurt so many people. People that I love so much, they'll never know how sorry I am. The night that I got saved, I was just like Lazarus, man. I was dead in the tomb. We read in there where Jesus said, roll away the stone, and the men said, but Lord, he's been dead four days, and he stinks by now. Brother, I stunk. But there's so many of you, you're in the same spot that I was. You're in the tomb, man, and you're dead, and you stink, but Jesus said, roll away the, roll away the stone. And right now, he's calling out to you, and he's saying, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. telling you what <laughs> there's something that happens when somebody is authentic and willing to be totally aw totally raw and honest with everybody in the body something we've lost in the body of Christ is true transparency true authenticity we try to pretend so much that we're something that we're not I'm not saying it's true for everyone but all I believe all of us from time to time at least have areas in our lives that we would rather no one know about. We have areas that, you know, we're working on, and praise God, we're working on them. But can I tell you, there's a place of freedom that we can come to when we really open up with one another and allow the others around us in, the, in true fellowship sense to be able to heal us, to bring us to a place of freedom, to a place where we can be in the light and not in darkness. I'm telling you, just like that brother was able to experience the freedom of God, and you saw the Spirit touch him as he went into that water. Something supernatural has taken place. That can be an everyday occurrence for us. When we come into true fellowship with each other, you go into a place, you know what? I'm becoming uneasy. I can't, I, if we're really in true fellowship, the light should be so bright that we should literally tremble when there's things in our lives that would never be, be, be acceptable in the presence of God. That when we come together, all of a sudden we recognize that in sodomy, this anger, this bitterness, this jealousy, this, this complaining, this backbiting, whatever it is inside of our hearts and our lives, all of a sudden it begins to shake and tremble inside of us. And you say, you know what? I can't handle this anymore. I don't want it. I don't want a part of it. I need help. And that's the word that we're afraid to use is to say that I need help. Why? Because we want to hold on to it. We want to hold on to the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. I know it's getting late, but let me read this, th these, these couple of verses real quick to allow this to make real sense to us. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. It goes on talking about the failure of those that walked in the wilderness. We're not any different than those that walked in the wilderness, friends. I don't know about you, but I've thought of that, about that many times to think, 
you know, if I were a part of that original crew that came out of Egypt, you know, I would be the ones that would be wanting to go into the promised land. But you know what? I can't think myself so foolish or so prideful or so, so above them. Our nature is to fall into the deceitfulness of sin. And the Lord is saying, just like He was speaking through these, these apostles, that we need to come into true fellowship where we count each other as, as, as even more worthy sometimes than ourselves, as we carry one another's burdens, as we encourage one another as long as it's called today. Not tomorrow, I will wait for tomorrow to encourage someone, or tomorrow I'll allow someone to speak into my life. Today, count today as the day that we allow ourselves to walk into that place of fellowship so that we will keep each other from the deceitfulness of sin. I've never seen it in Scripture like this, but it's becoming a revelation to me, and I hope it's a revelation to you, that you really want to get completely free of sin. Yeah, I know there's ways that, 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 that the Lord delivers us. There's certain things that happen, but until the end, steadfast until the end, completely, the only way I believe that it's prescribed in Scripture is through true fellowship with real believers, authentic believers, that we, carrying the light of God and the presence of God, will keep each other in a place, in a state where we're constantly encouraging one another. We're constantly lifting up the things that are lovely, the things that are pure, things that are true, that are noble, the, the, the things that the Lord wants us to dwell upon and not the things of sin. If we're encouraging one another in that way, there's no room for that. If light is there, there's no presence for darkness. If light is there, darkness cannot be. Are you understanding? There cannot be the deceitfulness of sin if we dwell in true fellowship. This sounds great, right? Sounds really good, but I can, can I tell you, this is not going to be easy. This is not going to be something that simply just getting around each other is going to be all it takes. Just like in a family, we started out talking about it. The more the kids grow, the more they get more opinions. <laughs> the more they grow, the more they, they start to have things that irritate, even though it really shouldn't irritate them. Why? It's just because they become familiar. They become in a place where they take each other for granted. But if you were in a place where it was life or death, you would recognize, you know what, I have love for my brother. I have love for my sister, and I'm telling you, right now, today, today is the day for us to recognize and understand that we live in an hour of urgency where we are not promised tomorrow, and that we need to recognize that sin is nothing to, to hang around or tamper with. It's nothing to, to allow us to keep in our midst. It's something that we have to say, you know what? I'm putting this down. I'm putting my life down. I'm putting my life down for another so that we can be healed so that we can be the body of Christ bringing the light of God to a generation that is so saturated with darkness. You watch the Super Bowl, you see, you see people post things in news media about halftime shows that people are surprised about, that, man, there, there's such ungodliness in that Super Bowl halftime half show. What did you expect? Honestly... It doesn't mean that you just say, oh man, I would never do that. I'm going to pray for those people. You know, I like this part of it, but not this part and all this kind of stuff. I don't need to get too far into this or we'll be here another hour. You understand what I'm saying? That you shouldn't be surprised by the deceitfulness of sin. Once it grabs a hold of you, it keeps you and it pulls you. And it pulls you and pulls you and pulls you until you realize that, you know, I started out just with a little bit of a temper. But now all of a sudden I've got lust, I've got pride, I've got bitterness, I've got all these other things manifesting in my life because sin does well to dwell together, fellowshipping together with other sin. Where there's one, there's more. And it's just a matter of time. I'm telling you, the power of Christ, the power of the manifestation of the word of life coming into a people and being seen and lifted up before a people, that is what causes us to come into true fellowship. That is what causes us to come into a place where we recognize as He is exalted and he is, he is highly lifted up in our midst, then I can relate to my brother and my sister. Then I can look at them with the love of Christ and the compassion of Christ, not the condemnation of man or the judgment of a society. We need to come into the realization, friends, true fellowship, true fellowship. It's not a matter of proximity. It is a term of heaven. 
to come into fellowship, to come into koinonia. It's not just an ideology. It's not just a great concept. It's a command from eternity to say that God is calling us into His presence. He is calling us into His family. And He desires that all of us would be that way, in that close, true fellowship all the day long, encouraging, spurring one another on, challenging one another, lifting each other up, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, causing each other to go out into the world and witness and be a light. All the things that you want to see, all the miracles that you want to see, allow that fellowship to take place and see it expound. You think it's great when one man has a gift of healing, a gift of prophecy? What happens when an entire body is loving each other and all the gifts are represented? It's multiplied, it's manifest in such a supernatural way that the world would be dumbfounded by it. Why do you think it was so amazing that there was 120 in the room, not just Paul, not just one of the disciples or apostles? All of them together in the room. It was a beautiful thing because they were there together having everything in common. And then when the Spirit came, it wasn't one life that was changed. It was an entire society that was changed. They came into true fellowship. True fellowship. There's so much more. So much more. But I'm just going to leave this here because I want to whet your appetite. We're going to continue talking about this. I want us to close in prayer. I'm going to ask Mike to come. Do you believe that this word is powerful? Do you believe that if you actually get into it and read a word like that, a word like fellowship, a word like together, and recognize what it means, that it could change your life? True fellowship, earnest fellowship, where people stink, people smell, people have cuts and bruises, they have irritations things that rub you the wrong way, but you know what? It forms God's character in you. How many times do you see in Scripture the word suffering represented as a way that God causes character to be formed in an individual or of a complete body? Suffering through fellowship will cause the beauty of Christ to be revealed to this generation. I'm not saying suffer under stupidity because of lack of judgment and doing things that irritate the natural world. I'm talking about coming to fellowship to where supernaturally there's a suffering that takes place and all of a sudden agitation happens that causes a cleansing, that causes joy to be represented in our midst. The only way you have true joy is if you're completely free. You can have happiness from time to time, but only true joy comes from a life that is completely emptied and only filled with the Lord. Be those that fill the cups of those around you, your neighbor, your brother, your wife, your, your husband, your friend. All about you, I'll, I'll close with this idea. Sometimes I've gotten to the place because I've been in places where I've been at the highest of highs with the Lord experiences his presence and having full, being, being full of joy, that I've gotten full. And what happens when you get to that place, you, you genuinely and, and automatically begin to want to share that with others, right? You want to share that with others because if you've, you're experiencing this, you'd be a fool not to share it with the others around you. But you get to a place after you realize that pouring it out causes you to have to go back after God and get into a place where you need to be refilled yourself. You, you find yourself in a place sometimes where you think it's easier just for me to maintain this. It's easier for me to just stay here than to pour it out and have to be filled back in because sometimes when you pour it out, it's not received. Sometimes when it's poured out, there's, there's suffering involved. Sometimes when it's poured out, it's not easy. So you'd rather just stay as long as I keep my relationship with the Lord okay, I'm going to be fine. Can I tell you that's not the case? There's a cross for a reason. You need the vertical relationship and you need the horizontal relationship. The Lord is causing us to be poured out like poured out wine for each other. Poured out. Are you willing to be poured out one for another? Don't answer that quickly. <laughs> Don't answer that quickly. There's a cost to this. But I hope by now you're seeing, you know what, there's beauty in this. 
the reward is so much greater. The reward is so much greater to come into true fellowship. True fellowship. Father, I thank you so much for what you're stirring our hearts with concerning these themes, that this is your dream. God, I thank you for the dreams that you've given me, the dreams that I even see about community, about an authentic people. But God, I can only imagine what your dream looks like for all the people of God, that you desired, that you you were in a place where you needed nothing, but you wanted a family. You needed nothing. You always had everything and always will. But you wanted family, and so you created us. You created mankind. Lord, I pray that we would come to true realization that you've designed us for a deeper closeness and relationship of sharing with one another, of being poured out wine of sharing bread with one another, of sharing our lives together, God. Lord, challenge us and stir us to be in that place where it's more about you, it's more about others than it is about us, that we would really learn to love. God, we thank you. Lord, I pray these themes that are rich wouldn't be forgotten as we walk out those doors. But today, as we walk out those doors, God, we would sense the urgency. We would sense your calling and we would sense your leading. And we would listen to the voice of your spirit and be obedient. When you say, meet this need of a brother. When you say, go spend time with this sister. When you say, pour out yourself even though you're tired, even though you want to just lay down and go to sleep. Lord, we would count the cost and say, Lord, I'm here not for myself. I'm here for my family. Lord, make us one as you are one in mind, in spirit, and in body. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and amen.